and skepticism is a great strategy to deal with uncertainty. It's got its outcome, right? So if you're listening right now, you're thinking about, hold on, what's the outcome of skepticism? Well, what, there's tons of payoffs to skepticism, right? I don't have to be that engaged. I get to be right. I get to be, I get to be at like, like justifiably disengaged. I get to sit on the sidelines. I get to poke holes. I get to get, be justified in like pulling things down. Don't have to be creative. There's no risk involved in being a skeptic. I already know it's not going to work. And then you know, I get to be justified in my pessimism. As a founder and a leader, what is the treasure that you seek? And do you actually know how to get there? Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore all of it. There is no conversation too risky. This week, Dan, Adrian, and I sit down and talk about the most impactful treasure that you could be seeking as a company founder. I think it'll surprise you, by the way and how to get it. We lay out what we call the leadership treasure map. Let's dive in. All right, here we go. Dan, Adrian, how are you, gentlemen? Wonderful. Excellent, thank you. So good to be with you. We are, what, two days now coming off of our revenant process uh, this weekend in Southern California, and uh, wow. Yeah, and I, I'm great. I'm happy because I have no hangover from it. <laughs> no transformational hangover. That's good to have. That's great. Does that just mean you're getting used to it, or does that mean it didn't happen? No, that means that I surrendered. Ah. If, if, if to the degree that I resist, I have a I'm a little beat on the other end of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's where I'm at. <laughs> I'm, I must yeah. have had some resistance. Yeah, well, as a young trainer, man, there are times where I'd fall asleep on the bed with my clothes on. I'm like, I resist my whole day, all day long. Yeah. Well, we had a just an incredible time. Um, I mean, I'd love to just hear you guys talk about it for a second. We have, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who listen to this who have asked questions about The Revenant. What is it? Um, you know, who's it for all of that sort of stuff. Maybe we just take just one second before we dive into the, into the context. We've got another one coming up in March. Um, you know, we only do two to three of these a year because, you know, this is what we, this is something we love to do. It's not what, what we do. Um, obviously we, we work with teams in the consulting and, and coaching realm. This is just what keeps us tuned and it serves our clients in a different way than, than we can in the boardroom. So, um, yeah, I mean, just literally a minute about what the experience was like for you guys. Yeah. The, uh, invigorating is the first word that comes to mind for me. Um, and yeah, that, um, the additional space for people to, uh, explore, you know, that's my, my, I guess my experience, especially of fast moving leaders is there is never an invitation. Circumstances are never inviting them to reflect. Circumstances are inviting them to go faster and be more impulsive and be more, be quicker and be more right and all this. And, you know, it's a four days of pause, but not that it's passive at all, but it's like, that's the, the, let's pause and explore. Um, so it's inquiry based, which is, is usually very in and of itself is restorative for folks is to get off, get out of the rat race or get out of the high pressure system 
and um, take a look, take a look around at what they'd given up on and or what they'd not had the guts to go pursue or what they'd been cynical about or all those types of things. Or what they've um, been tolerating. The, or what they've been tolerating right on. And so I, I, you know, like watching people do that in the room, um, people that we know really well, um, and that are like full of ambition, full of commitment, you know, full of talent, full of insight, you know, they just wake up out of the bed, you know, step out of bed brilliant. Um, but exploring their own capacity is so invigorating for me. I mean, there's nothing more joy that really joy producing for me is watching folks take a risk. And even when they fail, finding so much resource out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, second that for sure. It was a, was what was really fun for me was, or really rewarding for me, as more like it, was watching you guys work and being able to work with you, and team up with you. Um, I I think providing a space where people can exercise getting behind problems at the issues at the at the actual causes is important. I think it's easy to get caught up in symptoms in life, and and it's dangerous. Uh, it can be dangerous, or let's say uh, treacherous. If I if I stop and start to reflect, and that's really the tool that we worked with was reflection, and it gives people the kind of environment they can trust, in the sense that they can they're going to get challenged. It's going to be a place where the consequences of those challenges are not like they are in life, and that they can really they can associate what their actions like the way they're thinking and the actions that come out of it, how that impacts what they want and what kinds of prices they're paying to have what they want. I mean, I think that's a big deal. And then like to work with each other and get multiple eyes on an issue, right? That's really how to do that. What, what, you know, kind of what, what does it take to do that? So that's fun. To me. Well, it was fun watching you guys as well, working with you and then dancing with you. It was a lot of fun. It was a blast, blast being in there, blast taking some swings and missing, taking some swings and hitting, and it's just, a, it's a good time. We all had it's, those. It's a yeah. mirror, um, and it's and it's amazing. You know, I was thinking about the other night, and then we'll then we'll jump into our conversation to- topic of today. I was thinking of laying in bed last night, thinking, you know, the 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 caliber of the human beings that we had in that room, and the influence that they have out in the world. So what they discovered and gained in that weekend with us together, that's going to go out to thousands and thousands. The impact of that is going to go out to thousands and thousands of people as they lead their teams and their companies and their families and their communities. Ah, that would, that was like, it was getting me all juiced up again last night thinking about that because that's just, that's huge. Yeah. I, and I just think, you know, being able to provide that space without having it be our mainstay allows us to really be open-handed with it because it's not what's making, you know, we're not dependent on it. And so unlike a training company where they've got to put butts in seats, we have lots of room to work with people, go deep. We don't have a whole bunch of marketing involved in it. None of that. Yeah. Well, and what that means for the participant is everybody that's there wants to be there. Like our standard of what it takes to get in the room is really high. And it's attitudinal, so it's just like a, a commitment to make something new happen in their life. That's the X factor. So we're not having like any Joe Schmo off the street that we can you know make a little money on, which is what you're saying is like a lot of people that do these types of trainings are trying to get butts in seats. So they have to lower what they do, to lower their standard in order to meet quota. We don't care about quota. 
we're here to have the right people in the room and it the the, the size of room then fluctuates based on who's in the room yeah we don't have a whole line of trainings for them to do we're not worried about upgrade no so there's, there's no there's sell that. yeah no there's no coercion i mean because business, business model can really be attitudinally uh, it can hook people into survival it doesn't have to but if you you know if every month you got to have 20 30 40 100 people in the seats well hell man you don't really have time to go deep and to really service the people that do come through like provide service for them which is really the aim in doing the trainings this way is it's a service we're offering our clients and maybe their families and friends and then we can go deeper with them and yeah. stay that way with them yeah. two other very quick things that hit me one is like all the all of the connections that I, people have been texting me afterwards, participants in the room saying, Hey, I really connected with that person. Can you share their contact info? And like these lifelong friendships start in a moment, right? And the, 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 the quality of the connection, and there's lots of vulnerability in our training. So it's like, Oh, wow. That's like you skip 10 years of a relationship. You like you do, you compress it into a four days and all of a sudden, you know, these world-class leaders that you're talking about, Chad become friends and who knows what new things are going to happen. And the other thing that came to mind was like just one of the one of the participants that has a a big big platform and is a speaker and uh, seemed to get about five years younger in this training, like <laughs> let go of so much weight that he had been carrying around for a long time, and it's it's that's the difference between great ideas and revelation. You know, it's like a good idea seems good, but it always expires so quickly. Um, but revelation shifts you. Like when something is like, if you have some kind of internal revelation, it's like, holy shit, I don't think I'm going to go back. You know, like I'm, I know that land now. But and yeah, and you, and you know, you know the way back. So, so which is really distinct. You, you see how it goes back. So, you, if you happen to slip, you know the way out too. You have a sense of what's calling you to, you know, like what's the next level, which kind of leads into what we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about it. So, the leadership treasure map. I think this is an incredible uh, opportunity, of a great, a great concept for us to explore. I want to start. I wanted to start this conversation at the end, actually. And what, what's what's at the end of every treasure map? An X. An X, <laughs> which is supposed to mark the spot of a treasure, uh, as long as no other uh, pirates have gotten to it. Um, so what, I want to start there. What's, what is the treasure that we're talking about, right? So if we're going to have a map, if we're going to have a treasure map and we're going to follow it, especially in the, the way that we're going to uh, invite you or suggest that you follow this treasure map, the, the treasure at the end has got to be worth it. And uh, it, I'm maybe drawing out the analogy a little bit too much, but I do want to talk about like, what, what's the treasure that we're going after? What's the treasure that we're seeking? Well, I'm, you know, initially... First off, the, the treasure map, what we're seeking is resource. Good. The way you use the map is when you don't have resource, well, then you follow what leads you to resource. And resource, when I say resource, is a generalized term because it could be specific. It's different in every context. But let's say you're dealing with a difficult client or employee or partner, and, and you really are looking to come into uh, a meeting of the minds where you can shoulder to shoulder, put your eyes on a problem and find resource, not fight with each other uh, or argue over what you see rather to be able to explore it. And the map is, is real simple, right? You know, it's like wherever you're complaining, 
any complaint you have that keeps reoccurring is an indication you don't have resource in that area. And that's the area you, if you go there, you can actually find a resource, but most people stay away from there because they've tried everything they can see as possible and can't seem to get resource out of it. And so what needs to shift, and a lot of people think what needs to shift is the circumstances, but what needs to shift, we would say, is the way they're thinking about the circumstances and the way they're thinking about their team and what's before them and the way they're thinking about their thinking. Because the possibility for resources is probably hidden in the threats, the things that look like threats or possible assaults or problems or breakdowns. And so, you know, I, that's like that Joseph Campbell saying, the treasure you look for or seek is in the cave you don't want to go into. Well, you know, each one of those difficult conversations that represent where something's at stake is one of those caves. And I, you know, how do you, you know, what's it take to get in there? Yeah. Well, it, let's slow down for just one second. Dan just gave the whole treasure map away in the first three minutes well, of talking. Let's about call this. it an overview. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly didn't give it away, but certainly no. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. I'm joking. I wanted to, I, I want to push into the, I want to put a pin in this um, or, or double click on this idea of resource and why resource is the treasure, right? Because I think most people who are listening to this, who are leaders in an organization, specifically companies, if they're a company founder, they might believe that the treasure is the next funding deal or the growth benchmark or the product development or product to market or profitability. That's That seems like what the treasure would be. Why is that not the treasure? Why is it resource, Adrian? Yeah, I was agreeing with you that most people are going to think it's the next result. And what Dan is illuminating is the fuel for results. And, you know, if I'll, I'll use a very specific example of a call I just got out of talking with this gal, she's a top tier leader. She's about to take over. Um, they hired me to come in and, and help her get herself ready to for the next level of leadership. And they're about to walk into an offsite and she's very methodical, very agenda driven, very content driven as, as naturally, like as a human, like very much kind of mechanical, like, okay, these are the four conversations and blah, blah, blah. And I just said, this is going to be a bullshit training or bullshit offsite. If you, cause how, how, you know, especially the last one she said to me, that's where we started. Cause how long have you been having this conversation? Oh, she said, we've been talking about this for, for, for four years. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. So Good. So you're going to go that have mean, the same. That is a sign of a lack of resource, right? <laughs> right on, right on. And the the apathy around it, like the ho hum. Okay, fine. You know, I know how this movie ends. Um, and we're going to go have the same conversation over again. Not that like it's not a great idea. This fourth point is a really great idea. It's just that they don't care about it. They don't, and we can look at results to show that they don't care about it. So then they won't engage. They haven't up until now engaged with it in a way that, that brings that concept to earth. The only constant in an organization like yours is change. I want to take just a second to tell you about the change imperative, an ebook written by our very own Dan Takini. Let me ask you, how do you personally relate to change in your business? Does it feel like a threat at times? 
Does it ever feel like you can't keep up with it or it never happens fast enough? Are there certain players on your team that resist change and keep your company stuck? Growth, change, and transition, these intersections often come with confusion, frustration, and resistance. You can flip those experiences into clarity, confidence, and alignment with the Change Imperative eBook. The Change Imperative is instructions for innovating with your team. Go ahead and click in the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Change Imperative now and feel confident about creating the change in your company necessary to take it to the next level. Yeah, yeah, you you really hit something. It, the question is then, what do they care about? That'd probably be good for them to just pay attention. Right. I caught you know, on to that too. It's like, yeah, what do they care about? And why don't they care about it? Be, you know, because, I mean, there's there's a few reasons, but I'll, I have an insight. Like, are they willing to come in the spirit of ignorance? Like, the, you know, like that's that's the thing, to truly find... You can be like, I can come and be very clear about my point of view. I could say, I think this is going on. And somebody could say, well, that you don't know. And I could say, yeah, I, they could even ask me, well, how are you coming here? What, like, you think you know it? No, in fact, I'm coming in a spirit of ignorance, but this is the all I got right now. I'm going to start the conversation this way. And I want to hear what you have to say, but this is what I think. And I'm really aware that I'm ignorant. So I'm all ears. Right. Because most people think if you come in the spirit of ignorance, you come with your tail between your legs. No it's a weakness. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, what's making me ignorant is what I think I know. So I'm going to start with what I think I know, but I'm going to come from a spirit of ignorance. So I can be nice and confident in that one. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. ignorance, I'm good at ignorance, man. <laughs> I'm real confident in what I don't know. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> but isn't that the way to start the conversation? You start with where you are. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, for them, as we, as, as I talked through this with her, she was, she was pointing out how one of the teammates had already essentially written the script about what's going to happen. And that brought up a big conversation about uh, skepticism, skepticism, skepticism in one of the directors there and how skeptical they are. And a lot of people, I mean, all of us will do this is uh, at times is take on a mood as a strategy for dealing with uncertainty and skepticism is a great strategy to deal with uncertainty and it's it's got its outcome right so if you're listening right now you're thinking about hold on what's the outcome of skepticism well what there's tons of payoffs to skepticism right i don't have to be that engaged i get to be right i get to be i get to be at like, like justifiably disengaged um i get to sit on the sidelines i get to poke holes i get to get, be justified and like pulling things down. I don't um, have to be creative. Don't have to be creative. There's no risk involved in being a skeptic. I already know it's not going to work. Um, and then you know, I get to be justified in my pessimism. Yeah. You know, there's lots of payoffs to that. Yeah. Um, and but they, can, they actually, it's a, it's, it's a form of arrogance because it assumes it, it's like saying, well, I'm really open. That's why I'm so skeptical. Right. But really, no, you, you assume, you know, it's not going to turn out. Right on. Right. That's just as dangerous as fully, you know, thinking that you're, you've got the, all the answers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're going to talk, let's connect it back to the, to the big conversation here. So, um, you know, we were talking about the recession and what that means for their business model and what it means for their numbers. Right. So people are naturally have a view of what the recession means 
because the recession is, is some data points and a concept. But what we make up about the recession is what the recession is to us. And the other part, any, anything else that's possible doesn't matter because we go out to prove what we have already previously decided um, that what it means. And it's so there's such a pervasive one about that. Recession equals bad, for example. It's bad. Who's to blame? And can we bitch about it instead of engage it? Um, so there's not a lot of resource there, meaning like there's, there's not a lot of fuel for the mission, for the outcomes. There's not a lot of anything new that's going to happen. No, and the fuel's for proving that it's going to be bad. Right on. Fuel's going, yeah. Right on. So we end up, you know, doing what we call kabuki theater. We end up having being really inauthentic in our engagement because the sub, the subconscious, the subtext, the real conversation is in this two-day offsite. This doesn't matter. This is just horseshit because we're going into the recession. So we can have all this altruistic conversation, and um, but we don't mean it. And and if we got real, we know we don't mean it. We're just doing an exercise, and then we're going to say, "Oh, there's another offsite. We showed up because the boss told us we had to be there." but we don't mean this thing. And so my invite to her was, why don't you go talk about the context? Talk about the skepticism. If you're going to bring this concept up, why don't you talk about why we've, we've talked about this for four years and have done zero about it? Let's talk about that first. Because if we can't divorce ourselves from that, can't see that and own that in the future that has come, which is, has produced zero results, zero new results, then you're going to be in it again, the exact same way. So you got to own how we've related to the issue before. And out of that will come honesty. And, and when we talk about resource, honesty is a resource. Yeah. And reflection is a tool. And you just hit one of the principles of the, the lead, you know, leadership treasure map, which is facing, it's, a, it's paradoxical. Facing your doubt creates confidence. Because if I truly face my doubt, I'm going to get up against what's wanted and needed or what I'm, what might occur and how might I handle that? And, you know, where do we go if this occurs and like that? Whereas a skeptic is going to stay, he's not going to want to have that conversation. Instead of understanding how I can deal with a doubt, I'm going to protect myself from it. That's what the skepticism is about. But if I could really see the doubt, it's a great way to prepare for what's coming. In fact, my grandfather where it came through the depression. He he made a ton of money through the depression. It, you know, lots whole, of people opened do. Up a whole, opened up a whole world around. You know, he was in the grocery business and ended up getting in the movie business. He built a movie theater and um, the first talking theater north of San Francisco. And the guys he built it for didn't show up, so he opened it. Liked it so much, he sold all his grocery stores and got in the theater business. <laughs> it's like during <laughs> during the depression. So. Yeah. Go figure. So back to the the question of, you know, why is the treasure resource and not results? Just, I mean, as if I can kind of plainly put it from my perspective, what I hear you guys saying is that resource, resource is unending if we know where to find it or if we, or, or if we're willing to see it. Um, results are not always the same even as we talk about market changes, team changes, all of that sort of stuff, that stuff is going to change the results or how we get the results that we're looking for. Resource is a constant if we're willing to see it. Yeah. When you say when you're, if you're willing to see it in the map is you first don't want to see it. It looks like a threat. And then that's the indicator that that's probably the place where it is. <laughs> like uh 
you know, um, pits of fire and dragons and all of this stuff that you have to pass by in order. Yeah, I can get fired. They could like to, sequester to me in X. some office until I quit. <laughs> you know, so, you know, there's all kinds. Yeah, demote me. Yeah. Right on. So, so, but what is the path? That, so if we have the treasure, we know the treasure that we're going after and it's worth it to us. And then we also have all these pitfalls that you're talking about, the possibility of exile in the company or the possibility of standing alone or, you know, whatever, what all of those challenges or obstacles are. And we know the obstacles away. We talked a bit about that in this podcast before. Um, what is the path? What, how do we start to work our way towards the treasure? Right. I mean, it's the thing you want the most that you think you can't have. And that, you know, that's really what a complaint is. A complaint is me wanting something beyond what I have, but I don't think I have it. That's why I settle for what I get and complain about not getting what what's like, I don't think it's possible because Adrian won't talk to me about it. Chad isn't interested. Um, you know, the the economy won't let me, uh, the banks don't, won't loan me money. I mean, I could name a million things, right? And so I have, I, I, I believe I'm, I'm buying into the obstacles that are keeping me from it. And I'm complaining about how come I can't have what's on the other, you know, what I really want. That's the beginning of the, that's how you know. And the bigger the complaint the more the resource, the more you want it and the more resource there is there if you can really shift the way you see it. So if I'm hearing you right, the complaint, whatever chronic complaint, whatever complaint you have is like the you are here. You are here. This is, and, and what's in front of you, the thing you want to run away, run away from or you're trying to figure out what you could have less and still settle for, that, that intersection is where the resource is. So the path, so the path starts, I mean, you are here, you, you recognize the complaint and then how do you, how do you make your word? How do you start making your way towards the treasure? Well, you, you gotta like notice. Can I, my, can I use my example? Go, go, bud, go. Okay, good. So this, this is what just happened. So the complaint is from my client is that they're skeptical. And I said, how are you skeptical? Let's start there. Let's start with you. Let's talk about your skepticism. Like if skepticism is a conversation, let's write down some of the things it says. And I'm not looking at my notes now, but I'm not smart enough for this. I don't have enough competency for this. They don't trust me, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, and I, and then I just, it, so, and I picked the, the, picked the, they don't trust me. How do you know that? That they don't trust you. Oh, I don't know that. Okay. You're not competent enough. How do you, how do you know you're not competent enough? She, and she's, you know, gave an example of, oh, this person, he's like, you know, knows all the numbers on the back of his hand. And she said, I don't have the education for that. I said, okay, great. Did he go to, did he, does he have a finance degree? She laughed. No, he doesn't have a finance degree. Okay, good. So I start to like own the conversation in me. That's where I've got to start. Because if my complaint is about other people, then going after that complaint in other people is an, also another fool's errand. Well, it's an avoidance mechanism. Right on. Right, because... It's another way to objectify. Yeah. I mean, the thing to remember is whatever I think's going on out there, I'm making up, I might as well check it. <laughs> and if right I on. think if I think you're skeptical or you're not interested, I'm probably afraid of my own skepticism or my own 
I'm I'm only interested to the point where I'm unwilling to risk this conversation. Yep. Well, then I'm the guy that I'm looking at. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you've been complaining about the low performance on your team for, let's say, I don't know, a week or two or two, two years, years or two decades, whatever it might be. But if you're complaining about the lack of engagement on your team and you've been complaining about the lack of engagement on your team for, let's say, two months, who also is underperforming? Who also is unengaged because you haven't talked to him about it. And that's your you. That's, that's right. right. It's you. Now, that can sound like some bad news. I think that's the best news ever is if I have co-contributed to generating, if I am a, a, if I own my, the, the, my impact of how I'm co-generating this dynamic on the team, which is what it is. It's a dynamic. It is a set of agreements that shows up in behavior. The behavior is a symptom. What's behind the behavior is the agreement that if you underperform, I won't talk to you about it. Not directly. I might passively aggressively talk to you about it, or I might avoid you to make you pay to see if you're going to get the gist. But there's an agreement that, you know, as is, is the core issue. Like, and I, it sounds weird to say agreement because it's so implicit, but anytime behavior doesn't work and a leader doesn't talk about it, it's saying, I'm saying as the leader, this is cool around here. No problem. Go ahead and underperform. No big deal. I won't, I'm not going to bring it up. So that that's, so principally we'll go back to the principle on this, the dynamic has a pathology. So I notice I'm complaining. I, and when I complain, I withdraw or something like that. Like what is the patho what's the behavior? And then what's behind the behavior is a thought. You know, are is thinking I withdraw because I'm afraid I'm going to be chastised or I'm going to lose my job or I'm going to, you know, not be trusted anymore, whatever it is. So I withdraw. If I'm aware of that, that action, that what I do that in the dynamic, I withdraw, for instance, I can then ask myself, I wonder what I'm getting from withdrawing, right? Because we often say, well, I don't, I really don't want to withdraw. But if you keep doing it, you do based on results. So the first thing is to acknowledge, what am I getting from withdrawing? It's good. It's not a bad thing. You're, you're using it for a reason, right? You're, you're doing it for a reason, probably because you don't see a possibility to act on that's worthy of what you think is potentially at stake, right? So, so if you can see what you're doing and get connected to what you're getting out of it, you can then decide well, what is wanted and needed and what's at stake and how can I get that? By looking into that that way, into that doubt that way, you're going to start to get confident about going forward, especially if you have somebody, another set of eyes to join you in exploring what you get out of it, what's at stake, what's wanted and needed, right? That That's really the value of having a coach, a, good, a, a counsel, um, a, you know, a boss, someone who's you know, a coworker who's willing to stand side by side and help you look into it. Yeah. What hits me as you're saying that is like, those are the conversations as we keep a good metaphor alive, which we dig around here. That's like what you're saying is you're pacing around at the edge of the tunnel or at the edge of the cave, like all the conversations that we're having at the edge of the cave before, because we're unwilling to go in. Well, we got to share that, right? <clears throat> yeah, Campbell calls it a cave, but this weekend we had somebody enlighten us that it could be a tunnel. <laughs> and then on the other side is the light. My point is like, is, is, is what we do to like keep that 
it's where the conversation with the client went to this morning is like reflecting on if you believe you, they don't trust you, what happens for you internally? I and literally the first answer was I get to withdraw, hold my ideas back, not take a risk, not speak up, sit on the sidelines. And then I asked her, uh, you know, there's a template from Byron Katie that's brilliant around this, but I asked her like, like, what would you do if you didn't believe that? Like, let's say you believe the other thing that they actually do trust you. How would you show up? Cause it's belief anyway, it's an unexamined belief. We've already you know, established that because I asked her, she said, they don't trust. How do you know that? I don't know that. Good. Okay, good. Right on. That's right. That's right. So it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a superstition and, you know, believing it's so. And the so, other question, so it, like, it, like where you went, like what, you could um, replace the I've, thought. I've decided that it's so. Oh, you guys so froze up. If I decide the other side is so, like, let's say they do trust me. What do I do? Oh, I'm, I'm confident. That's what she immediately said. As soon as I believe they trust me, might as well. And as soon as they believe they trust me, I'm confident. I show up. I give my ideas. I push back. I ask questions. I engage. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like so much life is in that. Yeah, just people go into it too. When you see that, you see them come forward on their chair. When, right on. Or they're forward, they move forward in their career. They lean in. Yeah. Right? So if I'm, if I'm making a connection here, I'm, I'm, there's like the treasure map happens um, as a leader in two different places. And it's the two buckets, two of the three buckets we talk about all the time with leadership. You know, we say effective leadership is the intersection between generating new results, leading the team effectively and self-mastery. So the treasure map happens in both buckets. If I think about my team, what is what currently is missing on the team, which shows up like a complaint. And I can explore that having all those tough conversations, like what we call the elephant in the room, like what's the elephant you need to go ride in the room? What's the conversation that you don't know how it's going to go if you bring it up. But if we don't bring it up, there's more dread that's coming. And that's that. But then, and it's also exists. We're talking about it here in like the, in the self mastery bucket, you know, people don't trust me, whatever. Let's say that's a belief. They won't follow me. If I bring this up, they won't listen to me. They won't, you know, trust me. They won't, whatever. There's also, you, you also have your own personal, leadership uh treasure map which starts with what am i believing what's my complaint about myself that is stealing from my engagement what do i want to be right about because that's usually what i'm doing i'm settling for being right not having it's not turning out but at least i get to be right about everything that's stopping me <laughs> that's right yeah so just to recap the map the, the where you are, right? Because we, we need to locate ourselves if we're going to follow any map or any direction of anything. The where you are is your complaint. So start to look for the complaints. Start to notice what you're complaining about, what the team's complaining about, what the culture is complaining about. And then the path is the conversations that you least want to have, both with yourself, with your team members, and that can lead you to the resource and, you know, all of those things that, you know, that leaning forward is the mood of resource. When I, Dan, when you talk about leaning forward, that was like, oh, that's the mood of resource. Because when resource is available, you lean in. You're pulled in. Yeah. Yes. You want, and I love what Adrian's point uh, in, he often comes up with that. At that point, you can be a spokesperson. The action is to be a spokesperson for the current reality. Like just to speak into it. The way that it is for you, it may not even be a good start, but it's a start. And it will it will bring to surface what's next, what needs to be talked about next. That's right. Well, I love this concept. Such a great analogy. Very, very clear. Uh, thank you both. Thank you, brother. Love playing. Yeah. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. 
As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody. Thank you.